This is Donald P. Belisario, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 96, Mirror Image, Listener Feedback Extravaganza. Hello, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And welcome, one and all, to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Today, we are going to be dealing with the aftermath of our Mirror Image episode, as promised, as threatened. Welcome to our Mirror Image Listener Feedback Extravaganza. We've been talking about this show for a long time, and um, as befitting the special nature of this show, I mean, Mirror Image was a big deal. It was a milestone for the podcast, so we wanted to hear from the listeners. We wanted to hear what everybody out there thinks of this episode, but in addition to that, we wanted to mark the occasion, and uh, I, I think we did pretty good because we have two special guests joining us for this special episode. The first one... Should have been on every episode that we ever did, but I'm so happy he's here now. It is the creator of the Quantum Leap podcast, the one, the only, the great Albert Mark Burge. Albie, welcome back. Thank you for Quantum having Leap me. Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I'm so grateful for you guys having me on. Well, none of us would be here without you, and I'm so happy to have you back to talk about Mirror Image. Um, I, I really have been dying to know what you thought of the episode, but Albie is not the only person to join us for this episode. We also have another very special guest who's going to be giving his thoughts, and I'm sure they're going to be many and somewhat wacky. It's Mr. Hayden McQueenie. Thank you, Yay! thank you. The angle of incidence equals the angle of reflection. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just what I was thinking. <laughs> Appropriate for mirror image, I think. Hayden, I think the last time you were with us on the podcast was for the JFK episode. So it's kind of like a, a bookend here. Yeah, and a couple of quantum deeps since then as well. All right. So, I mean, but as, as um, joining into host, we, we got the first episode of season five and now wrapping up the end of season five and the end of the series. So welcome back, my friend. It's great to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. You can consider me the bread for this turd sandwich that season five was. <laughs> I guess we have some definite thoughts already. A little bit of foreshadowing, perhaps. Um, because you're Australian, is it fairy bread? Ah, I'm impressed. Very good. Um, not turds on that though. Fairy bread. <laughs> fairy bread. Like uh, it's white bread with butter on it, and then covered in. We call them hundreds and thousands, but I think you'd call them <gasps> sprinkles. 
Oh, that sounds good. It's an Australian delicacy, a must-have for any party. So I should have made some for our session. I didn't think about it. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I might I might go out and uh, and get some materials for a bit later. <laughs> Mail it over. I've never tried it. I'll have to make some fairy bread of my own. Mm. Quite frankly, I, I'm a little bit amazed, but really not surprised at how quickly Hayden worked the word turd into the podcast. <laughs> good work, Hayden. <laughs> Hey, I censored myself. I could have used a lot worse. That's true. Thank you. You're thinking about the diaper monkey. You know, when you're thinking about the series coming to a close, you think about all the fan favorites, and then that just, it always comes back around to diaper monkey. <laughs> always about the poo. <laughs> so you see, this is why we don't do this this often, because this is going to be a nightmare to edit. It sounds like a lot of fun, but oh boy, the work. You should make a Patreon exclusive where it's completely unedited for all the Patreons. No one needs to hear that. Why put them through it twice? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to have you both back on. Why don't we start where we always start? Um, in addition to all the great feedback that we have, I want to get your thoughts, um, Albie and uh, Hayden, regarding Mirror Image. And why don't we um, just do some initial impressions? Albie, what were your initial impressions of Mirror Image when you first saw it? When I first saw it when I was a kid, I was like, what the hell was that? That's not the ending I signed up for. My, my impressions now are much different. Have they grown? Do you like the episode now? Do you still dislike it? Are you still confused by it? Uh, now I think it's one of the best written episodes of television ever made that I've seen. Wow. Okay. So you're in the Chris camp. All right. How about you, Hayden? What did you think when you first saw Mirror Image? Um, I think I wondered what I'd smoked that day, which was very <laughs> bad because I was only about 10 years old. <laughs> that, that's just how weird and wacky this episode was. But I'm also in the Chris and Albie camp that uh, it's a fantastic episode of Quantum Leap. Once you analyze it and go quantum deep and know exactly what they're trying to get across. Uh, it's one of those things that's, I think, great in concept, not great in um, initial uh, execution, but then kind of ages like a fine wine. So my opinion of it has definitely improved over the years as well. I'd say that's fair. Were you seeing it in real time or did you already get spoiled on what was happening in the series finale? Uh, no, I saw it in real time. It wasn't the first screening that we had over here, but it was the first time I'd seen the series through and didn't know anything about it. All right. So you didn't, you didn't have any preconceptions going in. Yeah. Remember, I live on a, you know, an island far, far away from the rest of the world, which in many cases, some people will say doesn't even exist. So uh, and this was pre-internet days, too. So, man, you could be talking about the UK there, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always curious to know, because I'm always the old in the group. And uh, Albie, thank you for being here with me. At least I'm, I'm only slightly older than you, I think. I, I'm in so my extremely I, I, late 30s. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm always curious to know. It's, it's so you guys saw it when you were both kids. I was 17. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how important that is in the vast scheme of things, but I think it's good to give people a context of how old you were because I think it might affect the way you think about it and the way you initially reacted to it. Being a 17-year-old, maybe more critical thinking than, say, like a 10-year-old. And as a 10-year-old, I know that I wouldn't have been able – I would have been like, what the hell was that? I probably would have turned it off halfway through at 10 years old. But, <laughs> you know, I don't claim to be especially bright. Why don't we start with you, Albie? Where do you think Sam is in Mirror Image? Do you think he's in the real world? Uh, no. 
I think the beautiful thing about art is uh, everyone who observes it can interpret it how they feel about it. And um, that's definitely grown as I've matured slightly over the last 28 years. And um, my first few viewings, I really was upset that Sam didn't make it home because that's what we were promised and all that stuff. But as I watched it more, probably, what, 20 times over the years, uh, two times uh, just today, I think Sam is in some kind of dreamlike state, but it is real. And um, the people that he's talking to, uh, especially like Al, the bartender, is a real person, a real entity. I don't think he's God or what we would consider a god. I think he's just someone who can comprehend more of the existence that we're in than we can. Kind of like a 3D being versus a 2D being. He's one step higher, and I think Sam's on his way to getting there, and I think that's what this episode's all about. So you're saying, essentially, that the bartender is Yoda. (laughs) Yoda's a fourth-dimensional being? Oh, fifth-dimensional being, surely. He controls time, too, doesn't he? Or can at least see through it. How about you, Hayden? Where do you think Sam is in this episode? What's your interpretation of sort of the setting? Um, I think that Sam has leapt into his own mind. And there's something, I think, very Wizard of Oz about this episode. And there's also something very Freudian about this episode. So uh, essentially, Mirror Image's Quantum Leap does Wizard of Oz because everyone, well, it's implied, first of all, that Everything happens within his own head. Everybody that he meets reminds him of someone that he already knows. Uh, He has to essentially learn a lesson in The Wizard of Oz. Obviously, it's Dorothy learning that there's no place like home and that she shouldn't look past her backyard for fulfillment. Really great feminist movie that was. Uh, And and, uh, in Quantum Leap, obviously, it's to learn that this is his life's work and he needs to commit to it. And ultimately, that they both have the power to go home whenever they want. It's just what each one of them chooses to do at the end, obviously, which is a little different. So really, all Sam needed was a pair of ruby slippers and all Al the bartender needed was kind of a bubble to float around in. And then we would have just had a carbon copy of The Wizard of Oz, I think. But uh, the other reason why I think it's entirely in Sam's head is... Something that I've read recently, which I found fascinating, it's actually impossible for a person to imagine a completely new face. Every face that you see in your mind's eye is a face that you have seen somewhere in your past. It's actually impossible to create a new face. And when you consider the fact that I think just about everyone in this episode, except I think maybe two important characters, which I also want to talk about, are people that Sam recognises, or at least is someone that, you know, a long-time fan would recognise, even if Sam doesn't initially recognise them. But they're all there in his subconscious, and they're manifesting in this... I don't want to say it's a dream, because I think there are reasons why it's actually happening, happening in his head. But, yeah, the fact that every person that is there is someone that Sam has encountered that suggests that it's got to be in his head and it's a good contrast actually if you compare it to the halloween episode where we argue over whether or not it's a dream even though we've got proof from the writer that it really happened in the halloween episode in that episode that could not possibly be a dream because everyone that appears within the length of the episode is someone that sam hasn't met before well how do you know it's someone sam hasn't met before well 
What if it's someone you just saw at the project before? <laughs> it doesn't have Scratch to be. There. Can you imagine? Okay, so you've had dreams about people that like you don't know them, you don't remember them, even though. And I've I've heard that before too. That like every face is someone you've seen. So it could have just been someone you just like saw on the side of the street, didn't even think about. What if you were like the main character in someone's dream? <gasps> they didn't know you, but they just passed you on the street, and then like all of a sudden you're like the person chasing them down, trying to kill them or something. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is that? Dude, I think about that all the time. Pe- people dream about people that look like us all the time. <laughs> this is nothing unusual, Alison. Come on. <laughs> Are you saying that that we're that you and me were the person of someone's dreams? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no comment. How is the honey that is our voices not appear in people's <laughs> dreams? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know that I appeared in people's dreams before, but that sweet, sweet bookmark unboxing video probably gave me much more of a shot because now you all know what my face looks like and we'll get more to the bookmark uh, a little bit later. But Hayden, I think that that is a really good interpretation because it hangs together well but given that you think that it takes place in maybe sam's mind's eye or somewhere like internally for him that doesn't necessarily mean that there couldn't be some divine influence and alvi has gone on the record saying he doesn't think that al the bartender is god do you think that al the bartender is god or could be no, I don't, because I, uh, I was going to get to this as well. And I'm glad you got me back on track, uh, because uh, I think that there's actually also a real clear disjointedness of parts of Sam's psyche. I actually think that what we're seeing as Sam is Sam's id, which is essentially his self, the one that has all his hopes and dreams and wants and needs. That's the one that we're seeing things from the point of view of in this episode. I actually would have preferred if Al the Bartender had also been played by Scott Bakula because I actually see <laughs> Al the Bartender as a combination of Sam. Just imagining him and his father makeup again. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good. Yeah, Scott Bakula as his father. With the accents. <laughs> Thrive. Scott Bakula as his savior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people can thrive on beer. <laughs> Only if it's a schooner. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, in Australia we don't have. We call them pints. It'd be Foster's in Australia? Oh, no. I think I could piss out better tasting beer than that. <laughs> we drink Foster's more in the UK than they drink it in Australia, I think. <laughs> to us, it's an exotic foreign drink. Yeah, and you drink a warm too, don't you? Well, we just lost that sweet, sweet Foster's uh, sponsorship. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, <sighs> but uh, what I was saying, though, was uh, Al the bartender actually seems to be Sam's ego and superego. All right, the ego is the one who recognises all the problems and uh, implies all the limits, and the superego is the one who manages to help you figure out how to overcome those limits and get the id to do what they really need to do. Well, then wouldn't maybe Stopper be his ego too? Ah, uh, you keep reminding me of things I want to talk about. I'm so happy that you're here, Chris. Thank you. Stopper? He died in 33. <laughs> Stopper and I suppose um, their version of Gushy 
I seem to be an exception to the rule I was talking about of how they're people that Sam seems to have encountered in the past. But there's something about Storper that's really important, and that's that he is someone that Al knows. Okay, so if you go back to the leap back where Sam and Al have simo leapt and they've become magnafoozled and each one has parts of each other in them, I actually think that they actually still have quite a bit of each other in them. Mm. And Storper is actually something that the part of Al that's in Sam is being manifested by. Yeah, makes sense. Hmm. It's interesting. I think uh, yeah. Stopa is an actual leaper, and I think he's a more advanced leaper than Sam. I think Al the bartender is someone who is interfering in different timelines, that, and he shouldn't be. I think that's what the reference to the uh, bar uh, association license, whatever that was about, and him saying he was uh, not going by the rules, and if somebody told on him, he would get in trouble. Ooh. Well, Allison sort of made an allusion to that too, but the only thing he really was talking about there is that he's not allowed to run a tab in the state of Pennsylvania or he could lose his license. I'll put this on my tab, will you? How you know he's not state liquor control board? What? It's illegal to run a bar tab in Pennsylvania. If you were a liquor control board, I could lose my license. That to me just seemed like just a bit of dialogue. That was inconsequential, but Allison saw something in that in our show, and now you're you're seeing something in it. So can you maybe elaborate a little bit? Yeah, to me, none of the dialogue is uh, just filler. Everything means something, uh, metaphor or a callback or tying uh, loose ends together that might have been in Don Belisario's head. Because I think besides Al the bartender being like a representation of a higher being that's trying to interfere and help people, throughout the timeline and he actually does pick leapers or I guess angels in another way of looking at it. Um, and he did pick Sam, but, uh, Stopa uh, was a leaper too, is a leaper, but he's on a higher level. And I think we've seen Stopa before as a leaper in the Halloween episode, actually. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Was he the what? devil? <laughs> no, he was the goat. <laughs> yeah. He was the goat? Was he the goat? <laughs> he was the goat. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me a Pepsi, Allison. There's lines in this episode to support that. When Stoppa makes the uh, machine gun sound, it sounds more like a goat than a machine gun. <laughs> you want me to straighten your back for you, Stoppa? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dude. Right after that, Richard Hurd says, uh, don't let Stoppa get your goat. Ah, don't let Stoppa get your goat. Wait, do you really think he was the goat? I do, I do. <laughs> You think he pulled the old man Tully off the the ladder? I think for some reason he was there to do that. Wow. I've never heard a theory he was an evil leaper before. But I don't I think like he was this. an evil leaper. I think uh, he did something bad for a good outcome. Oh. Yeah, Tully could have been an evil guy that just needed taking out. He's like them that dance with the devil. And he's like, I got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Something good about this guy. <laughs> this episode is like a huge burger of Easter eggs and callbacks and things tied together. Well, it is if you stretch that far. Yeah. Well, that, that would mean also that like leapers aren't necessarily there to right wrongs. They're just there to like, it's not necessarily to do something good. It's just the, the means to an end. To change the timeline in a certain way. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think also uh, Al, the bartender, uh, whoever is picking these leapers, also goes after people that are 
uh, for lack of a better term, uh, goody two shoes. They always choose the right decision. They always make the right decision, or at least they try to or think they are. Because uh, uh, Stopa, he uh, died in 1933, and he doesn't drink beer. He only drinks Pepsi. And uh, prohibition didn't end until 1933. So I think that's why he only drinks Pepsi, because he's a good guy and he's following the rules. He, oh, so he's got to, like, keep things the way they are. They're like the, the neutral leapers that are like, we must keep history as it should be. Follow the rules. So he's like Jeffrey and, and Bog. I think he's just trying to find the best people to do the right thing. And, and that's part of it. And besides Al the Bartender being that person, I also think Al the Bartender is actually Donald P. Belisario. So when Al the Bartender is talking to Sam, it's actually Don talking to Sam. Sorry, I, I'm still stuck on the idea of a goat drinking Pepsi. See, <laughs> it can't be a coincidence that he died at the end of Prohibition. Like a Pepsi, please. <laughs> Not a very good goat voice. <laughs> oh my god! You know what, Alvy? I was really prepared for Hayden to blow me away with his interpretation, and he he really did. Right until this moment. Wow, you win. You win Quantum Leap, man. That's like, <laughs> I'm just getting started. This is pretty good. I can't see. You know what? I've heard a lot of discussions about mirror image. I've never heard this particular theory. It's pretty good. I have years well, of thinking about this, so. Well, if by good you mean thought-provoking for lack of a nicer term, then yeah. You're just jealous you didn't think of it, Hayden. <laughs> I think all of this is thought-provoking. I just never thought I'd be thinking about goats drinking Pepsi. I, I think uh, they would if you put it in their trough. They would, wouldn't they? It's a fair point. Goats eat and drink anything, won't they? So Sam I comes can. through the doors on his birthday, at the actual moment of his birth, right? So mm -hmm. that's kind of like that's symbolism for a possible rebirth, maybe. And yeah. I think this story is actually almost a telling of multiple timelines. And uh, if you're familiar with Schrodinger's cat, the actual theory, not just the universally accepted shorthand one, but how um, both universes exist and we don't know which universe we happen to be in after they forked until we open the box. I think that's what uh, Frank and Jimmy or Tanchi and Pete being trapped in the mine is. I think they're Schrodinger's cat. And I think depending on what Sam does in that situation, lets Al the bartender know if he's ready to take the next leap into another level. And I think in uh, this episode, we actually see Sam's timeline splitting into two different timelines. And we have Sam at the bar and Sam in the mirror. And I think the Sam that we followed the whole series is Sam in the mirror. And the... Sam that we're going to follow if there was another season would be the one at the bar. So I think in the end, I think one of the Sams made it home, leaped home, did what he wanted to do. But the other Sam decided to keep on leaping and keep going. Maybe the Sam that doesn't quite remember how to spell his name. That, oh, I was just about to throw that in. <laughs> that, that's my interpretation of it. Dude, I mean, haven't you accepted both looking in all those mirrors? I, yeah. Wow. I thought I understood this episode. I thought I had this episode sussed, but you were making me see it in a completely different way. And that's why there was only one T on that title card, because they had to split the difference. Exactly. I mean, two Sams, one T each. And one went home and one kept leaping. One of the Sams blew up with the ship and the other one went back with Voyager into the other timeline. <laughs> so, Albie, you were saying that you think that uh, the thing with Tonchi and Pete in the mine is like 
the box that the cat's in and Sam has to make a choice as to which way it's going to go. Correct. And instead of the decaying um, atoms or whatever, it's the lamp and water that's going to kill them. And uh, do they get out or not? And uh, Stopa has been there before because he's seen all this before because obviously he's a leaper when he says this time he's got to do something different. So I think he's also there brought there by Al to help Sam with his mission, which is to decide uh, which path he takes. So what lesson do you think he learns from opening the box? Uh, I think he learned that his purpose in life is to help people. And I think he already knew that, but he still wanted to go home and he wasn't sure. But when that happened in this situation, he realized that that's his purpose is to help. See, you've got me thinking that maybe the whole purpose there is that he's allowed to break the rules for the greater good. I think so. Because obviously he did have to break the rules pretending to be the inspector so that they could get the people down there to rescue the guys. But maybe that's the lesson that he needed to learn so that he would know that it would be okay to then go and help um, his friend out. I like this idea, but... Isn't that effectively what he does on most leaps? He's always pretending to be someone else. He's often breaking rules. And your point about the Taunchy and Pete leap being something that that shows the bartender, is he ready for more? The point of the leap in this episode seems quite inconsequential. He's had tougher leaps to get through. Yeah. Well, to me, it's not real. Anything that happens in this whole episode isn't real. So the mind situation isn't really happening. It doesn't really matter because, of course, it's Frank and Jimmy, but it's just like to find out if Sam's ready or not. Oh, Albie, I think you've got to take a lesson from Albus Dumbledore. Just because something's happening in your mind does not make it not real. We could all take that lesson while we're discussing this, to be fair. All of us are taking our own interpretation. Real as That's in uh, taking yeah. place in a physical timeline on Earth somewhere, not not happening. Okay. I'm intrigued by the idea, like, you completely flipped the script from my interpretation. I always thought that Sam was there to help Stoppa along, but you think Stoppa is there to help Sam along and prod him in the right direction. I think so, because uh, Stoppa's a, a more uh, seasoned leaper, because he started earlier, uh, probably after his death with whatever happened. And he's but- more buddy-buddy with Al, so when he goes to talk to Al, we see some of it, but maybe not all of it. It's a bit sad that he stays crippled even after he dies. Yeah, but if it's all in his in the mind, then... I think that's his oh. image of himself. Yeah, and that's why, another reason why I think it's got to be his, um, like, an interpretation that's come, been created in the mind, because, you know, you'd think you were, everyone would be perfectly healed and healthy after they die, and uh, really, that would have been the way that Al would have remembered his uncle. You know, Al specifically says that he was kind of crumpled up like a pretzel. I mean, what what does it being like Al's uncle have to do with anything? I never really understood in any interpretation how this fits in that this is Al's uncle or similar or whatever that connection is. First of all, it would be the fact uh, kind of to solidify, if you like my interpretation, that it is that Sam still is part Al because he's being manifested by the part of Sam that's Al. But also I think he's there to kind of uh, prod Sam a little bit more in the direction that Al is the answer. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I get that. Your next thing is that you've got to help Al. That's really cool. What do you think, Albie? Why, why do you think he's, he's an uncle? 
You know, my thought on that was just the everybody's connected. And, uh, of course, what Al says, the bartender says is, you know, he loves a coincidence or whatever. I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That that part still gets me sometimes. I still have a lot of thinking to do because I've matured enough to understand most of the episode. But, of course, I don't understand as much as I will 10 years from now. Right. Hayden, I think that what you said kind of makes everything dovetail very nicely if it's all aspects of Sam's psyche. And having the Al in the mix mm. is really good. And you could even say that he could be drawing that from Ziggy, but hmm, that's more fanficy. I'm thinking of the novel series in which they posit that there's a little bit of Al and a little bit of Sam in Ziggy's matrices so that they can connect to each other across time. So They did say on the show that like Sam does still have a little bit of Al, though. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's how he got back in the leap back is because there was part of him is Al. So they, they state that <laughs> they're part of each other now in some way. Yeah. And don't forget too, uh, Sam really only started, uh, how I put this, sleeping on the job where after he had that bit of Al in him. No, he slept with people before that. Don't think so. He slept with, uh, the, he sl- in um, A Hunting We Will Go, he slept with, uh, what's your face? Diane McBride. Yeah, but that was on a train. Yeah. If it's on a train, it doesn't count. No, no, the train <laughs> one, um, it could be implied either way, but not Diana McBride. The one in A Hunting We Will Go. Um, something Frost, I want to say was her name. Diane Frost. They definitely they definitely got together, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Another Diane. <laughs> no. No, they did. I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty heavily implied that they slept together. Well, let's just say we only have confirmed coitus post-leap back. Sam didn't, it's not like Sam never had sex before, Al. I think he got, like, a little hornier because of Al, but um, I don't, it's not like Sam was a virgin. <laughs> I just mean during the leaping stage of his life, though. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think that um, the next edition of Beyond the Mirror Image is going to have a whole new chapter called Confirmed Coitus. Confirmed Coitus. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he Definitely. slept with uh, with what's her face? Um, no, this was post being with Al though, with Tamlin. Yeah, Tamlin, Abigail, probably Aaliyah if Frank hadn't interrupted them. I don't think Abigail counts though. Really, it's not like it was his choice. Yeah, that was less of Al's influence, more the other guy he was in. Yeah. <laughs> all, all sorts of people that are like influencing <laughs> Sam to sex. He's. <laughs> I think a subcategory of the confirmed coitus chapter needs to be Sam's autonomous erections versus his involuntary coitus. That's got to be around where we list when does Sam canonically poop on leaps, because I know we brought that up in the diaper monkey thing. (laughs) We only have another hour or so left here. Um, I I wanted, though, Albie, so I I think Hayden's interpretation really does, um, uh, it it goes a very long way to explaining all of the strange but familiar faces. In your interpretation, where do the doubles fit in? Because it's not a reality and those characters' uh, faces are taken from Sam's experiences, I believe, Uh, because from conversations with Al the bartender and Sam, you can tell that Al is aware of everything that Sam's done to this point. And um, I think it's also a great, uh, just a great bit of casting by Don to bring back everybody for the last show. And I think it it just made it more special because if they were all like day players that we didn't really know or just Hmm. guest cast, it wouldn't have as much of an emotional impact as it would have as, I mean, when you got Frank and Jimmy there, I mean, 
besides Susan Dahl from MIA, I mean, emotion-wise, I think you connect with those characters the most over the series. Maybe Mo, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mo Stein. Most certainly one of the more sympathetic leaps that we've seen Sam on. Yeah, he brought back everything that would see for the casual fans. It'd be like, oh, that's cool. It's nice to see them again, you know, but for people like analyzing it over and over again, it means more. Do you think maybe there's a deeper meaning in the people that Sam specifically recognizes? Like it could be that Frank and Jimmy being there is kind of pushing him in the owl direction because there's the connection to his sister Trudy with the Down syndrome, but also Mo Stein being there is uh, reminding him of the reasons for Quantum Leap because he's the only other person that he's encountered who's come close to having a time machine and for very similar reasons? Or do you think maybe there's a little bit of a deeper meaning in the people that he's recognising? Because a lot of them there he doesn't recognise, even though they're subconsciously people that he's seen before. Right, that he doesn't recognise, but we recognise from other episodes. I think uh, when writing it uh, or casting it, Don needed a like a really quick shorthand, like these are people you recognise, but they're not those people. And uh, who could be more recognisable than somebody who's been on multiple episodes. Mm. Yeah. And also yeah. very, very uh, well-received storylines, I believe, at the time mm. still. So it, it was like, uh, who, like if you're sitting down at the typewriter at the time or the word processor, like who do you pick to say, oh, I recognize that guy, but he's not that guy. Hmm. I'm intrigued by both of your interpretations, and I'm going to ask Hayden to answer this question first, and then I'll be... Um, what, so he can blow me out of the water again? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> if you really think that this all takes place in Sam's consciousness, some somewhere in his head, then where is the, quote, real Sam? And how is it that the real Sam, like, what happens to him that he never got home? Like, where, where does it connect back to the reality of the project and the show and everything that we've seen over the last five seasons? Yeah, well, we've got to remember from the reactions of the project, this is something different that's happened. Even between leaps, it seems like there must be something in the waiting room, like the shell of his aura there. It'd be empty, but there must be something there. Al and Gushy are completely shocked that there's just nothing there at all. So it seems like his aura is properly surrounding him again because it's not in the waiting room. And I know that you really want me to have an answer to this, but it just seems like he's leapt into some plane of existence beyond the natural limits of what the project can do. But it seems like it's some sort of plane like that's generated by Sam's own mind. It's kind of like a version of the Matrix that was created by Sam, and he's taken the pill which puts him into the Matrix. Well, then how can Al and Gushy then lock onto him physically and get to him eventually like they do at the end of the episode? Yeah, I think that that's also part of the fact that Sam and Al are still connected, not only with the neurons and masons, but also they're also a part of each other now post-leap back. So um, I think if it had been anyone else other than Al they would never have been able to lock onto him. Okay. All right. I mean, that kind of tracks with my interpretation of that scene too. I came at it from a different angle, but I think we had sort of the same conclusion there. Okay. So what about you, Albie? I'm intrigued by your interpretation of now The Two Sams, which is also one of my favorite books by Glenn Hirschberg. But um, you have now the Sam that's sort of in the bar. You think that that is sort of the transcendent Sam that is going to leap on. And then the Sam that's in the mirror is our Sam, who we know and love, who's going home to Donna. Right. 
Okay, so if you have an idea, like how does this exist within the reality that we've come to know in the show? Like, so Sam is in some kind of liminal space, but... Yeah, well, just because the space isn't on Earth in our time, in our plane of existence, doesn't make it less real. So I think if he can leap to any time or place in his own lifetime on Earth during the past... He can also leap to this place. And I think the process of ascending and the next stage of being a leaper, an angel, a helper, uh, which uh, Stopa was, uh, he was in his own body and then he goes and he helps people and uh, they forget him afterwards, but he's himself. So I think like if we went to another season, we would see Sam leaping into situations as himself and, you know, no more like mirror gimmicks and none of that. But no Al either then. I don't know how they would work that in. For me, this episode, the Al storyline where he's searching for Sam, it's kind of shoehorned in because the story really doesn't have anything to do with Al. It's just mm-hmm. to get him in the episode and to create some sort of uh, suspense or tension. So I think this episode, maybe on the first draft, I don't know, was just all Sam. And then he was like, oh, crap, well, I got to add Al into this somehow. <laughs> but um, I think Al's able to find him. But you notice Al doesn't know where he is because he's like, where are we? Hey, oh, it's so good to see you. I can't believe oh, you finally man, got here. I never here. thought he was going to find you. Yeah. Here, yeah, I'm here, but where, where's here? Where's here? So I don't yeah, think he here? is where we're told that they are at the time because I don't think any of that's real. Uh, another th- reason I don't think any of it's real is because Al the bartender uh, has given everybody their nicknames in town. So I don't think anybody in that whole episode is real. And a lot of them are also um, named after people that Sam's encountered as well, like Gushy and Ziggy. Right. So I guess the last question I have for that train of thought then, Albie, is that so this this sort of transcendent, semi-real, non-real Sam moves on and never returns home. Where does the Sam in the mirror that does have the happy ending, how, how, does, how does he manifest? Oh, he where, leaves where back. He? It's two separate timelines or two separate realities. So he leaves back and everything's fine in my mind. But the transcendent Sam takes that body of that timeline because when we're seeing the waiting room and Al and all that stuff, uh, that would be in one of the two timelines. Okay, so you're thinking that then the the mirror image Sam, his body would still be in the waiting room. He's still in the waiting room, uh, but they're saying that his body isn't in the waiting room. I'm I'm just I'm just thinking. So that guy went right from Elvis to going home. <laughs> uh, well, we're all only seeing uh, the waiting room of to where Sam's body leaped out of there, but. In the other timeline, the other universe, his body's still there. Does that make sense? So, guess, so we're following we're, the we're, Al from Sam's transcended, ascended uh, timeline. Universe. Universe. Situation. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I never thought that Mirror Image could be more chirpy than it already was, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, there's more. I, got, yeah. I could go on I know for that we're, crazy. I know that we're all very keen to have a think about what season six and beyond would have looked like if it had existed. I've just come up with a theory now because you're asking, well, how is Al going to fit into it if it's going to be Sam just leaping as himself, trusting his instincts, putting something right that he sees and then leaving and no one having any memory of him? I have a feeling if they're going to venture into the future, the owl link's still needed because it could be the case that maybe Sam's going to use knowledge that he gains while in the future and having to send it back to Al and to where Ziggy is in their time so that they can prevent it. What do you reckon? Um, uh, I don't know. It makes it a little bit sloppy to me. I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, yeah, sure. It's, I think that that 
could be a way that you could go. I just personally don't think I'd want to see that. Now Sam is like the agent from the future sending back things that like missions for them to accomplish at the project in real time somehow. But what if it happens at a place where Al or someone at the project isn't? Does that mean they have to send another leaper to a previous point? And if that's the case and Sam's leaping himself, why wouldn't he just go to that previous point? Instead of this whole mishigash of him going further ahead, figuring out the crisis point, and sending the information back to the project. Why wouldn't he just go to the crisis point if he's controlling his own loops? Well, there's that possibility as well, but it's, I suppose it's kind of that idea that um, the future isn't written, it's what you make it. So maybe he's just getting a little bit of a glimpse of the way it's going to be, and maybe it's some of the more broader things that um, he could send back that he could try and get the project to try and implement, perhaps. I don't know. I'm just extrapolating. I know I know extrapolation isn't reliable. So. <laughs> I think Al could join Sam and Gushy and Stopa and the other Leapers in the future at some point, and he could still help Sam just because that's the way it is. Nice. And sometimes, sometimes that's the way it is. Is the best explanation. Anyway, guys, I know that I had written just some very broad discussion topics on the rundown to spark this discussion, but Albie, you said that you could go on and on. Are there any like key things, key interpretations that you have that we haven't touched upon that you think are valuable for the listeners to hear? Uh, valuable? I don't know. Um, I, I, I enjoyed callbacks to a bunch of different episodes like catch a falling star. And I think there was callbacks to even the leap home part one, leap home part two. Did you guys see all those? Well, catch a falling star, obviously. Talk of the machine gun. That reminds me of the leap home part two, uh, the basketball game, uh, to raise money for the town widow. Sam's mom is a widow and he plays basketball in, uh, the leap home part one. There's a whole bunch of things, but, uh. I think pretty much the overall thoughts I got out. Yeah, uh, pretty fascinating. And how about you, Hayden? I know that um, I had, again, put those those points down for broader discussion, but are there um, other sort of more intricate things that uh, you think it's important to state in your interpretation of the episode? Well, there is the lottery that we see there where he has the chance of getting the answers, but it was obvious if you think that it's just – stuff that he's manifesting that he's never going to get the answer that way because you can't give yourself new information. Mm. So there is that. But no, I think um, I've gotten my point across all right. I hope that people found it as clear as mud. <laughs> I think the Daily Double Board that he plays on represents that it isn't all written out or isn't all controlled by Al the Bartender. A lot of it's still left up to chance. And I, I guess the big question, um, and the one that everybody wants to know, Albie, do you think this was a fitting finale for Quantum Leap? I do think so. I, I don't. I, I think it was an amazing finale for the whole show, for people that were really invested in the characters in the show and just love the show. But I don't think most of us were ready for it at the time. But I think now looking back, it's absolutely brilliant. And how about you, Hayden? Yeah. <laughs> You see, even the title card, I think, could have worked if they'd worded it better. Because it's just very, very jarring hearing through the episode how much Sam wants to go home and then having it as Sam Beckett never returns home. So if they'd worded that better, I could have been a little more at ease with 
how jarring that final title card was. Uh, maybe it could have been something like Sam chose to continue putting right what once went wrong because then you know that he's making the choice to continue leaping. I, I do know it's implied in the episode, but I do think it needs to be more explicitly stated just for the ease of the wa- the watcher. But I'm also with Albie. I think that this episode has aged very well. It gets better with age, mainly through, I think, the maturity of the <laughs> the people watching it growing. And, yeah, it was very... Um, Thought-provoking and insightful, very well written by Don Belisario. So, I mean, I, I know that a lot of people still hate this finale and I don't blame them, but uh, I, I do think if they listen to these bookends of podcasts that you've just done, uh, they might appreciate it the way it should be appreciated. I think Sam wanting to go home and especially mentioning it in this episode is uh, part of his journey. And I think it's possible to want two things at the same time that are completely mutually exclusive. Like he can't go home and keep saving the day. Uh, So I think part of his journey is uh, deciding he wants to go on as a leaper and uh, giving up on his remaining uh, thoughts of wanting to go home. And I think that's his decision really that he makes in this episode, whether he wants to go home or whether he wants to keep on leaping. I think uh, he decides to keep on leaping. And uh, of course the other one doesn't. So you get a happy ending no matter how you look at it. You know, Al the bartender says you can always take sabbaticals. Why doesn't he just leap home when he wants to and then leap again when he feels like he's got something else to do? You know, even that would have made, I think, a little bit more sense and um, been more accepted by the fans as well. Yeah, that's a fair question. I know it's a more altruistic ending the way we've got it and fits very well with Sam's character, but I do think that it could have been balanced out better. Um, It's a question I raised and tried to address in that uh, bit of fanfic I did that said post mirror image. That's a, it's a very fair question um, because you'd think he could do that. And so why wouldn't he? So there's got to be a compelling reason as to why answer it, how you choose. That's total headcanon stuff. Maybe it's one of those sort of addiction ideas where, you know, you have to completely abstain from something that you really can't control. If he went home, then he probably wouldn't want to go back leaping. Right. Yeah, it could be. Sure. And who's to say he does it in the future? The title card is to say. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> you got me there. Well, guys, uh, fascinating, fascinating takes on Mirror Image. Um, honestly, I never thought that I'd get new interpretations of this episode beyond my own. And um, wow, you guys both blew me away with this. So good job. I'm so glad we have you back on the podcast. Hooray, <laughs> I'm useful. Normally, this is the place where I would go to a break, but I just want to forge ahead because I want to keep it while we still have all this stuff fresh in mind that you guys said, because believe it or not, um, a lot of our patrons have expressed some similar ideas to you and um, and maybe not as as finessed and as nuanced, but approaching some of the same kind of trains of thought. So I want to get to the feedback section because this is the feedback extravaganza. But before we get to the feedback, I think it's appropriate that we announce the new patrons that we've gotten because we've gotten a ton of new patrons in the last several weeks and we'll be hearing feedback from many of them. So I just want to welcome everybody into the fold before we go forward and start talking about more ideas about the episode. Welcome one and all to our Patreon family, David Rivera, who is joined us at the $3 QLP book club level. 
David. Richard Thomas, who is a new $5 leaper. Hello, Richard. Woo! Yay! Our good friend Anne Dumas, who we've heard from on the show before, has upgraded her membership to the $10 oh boy (laughs) level, which means that I will eventually be interviewing Anne Dumas about her Quantum Leap fandom in a Patreon-exclusive interview that you will hear if you become a Patreon patron. Also joining us on Patreon is Dana Bias at the $3 QLP Book Club member level. Emily Hilditch, who we've also heard from on the show, a $3 QLP book club member. Daniel Ulrich, $5 leaper, meaning he gets access to all the great Patreon bonus content that we produce. And a returning patron, Mr. Adrian Sal, longtime supporter of the show. Dropped out for a while because I think he was building a house or something. Uh, But Adrian has decided to join us again at the $3 QLP book club level because he could not resist that sweet, sweet bookmark. And that unboxing video that I did. Everybody, round of applause for all of them. Thank you. Thank you, guys. But that's not the last. And this is awkward for me because um, we also have a returning Patreon supporter, uh, Mr. Nag and Dragon himself, Mr. Hayden McQueenie, (laughs) who's decided to (laughs) donate at the $5 leaper level. Dude, you're a producer. Like, you... You have access to the feed. You can hear the bonus content. Yeah, I know. I just felt like contributing every now and then, you know. I haven't been contributing intellectually very often lately, so why not monetarily? He was just hoping you'd have him back on the show with that. <laughs> oh, well, you got to do the $10 and then you'll get interviewed by, by Chris. <laughs> I was thinking about doing that one. I was thinking about doing that one. I love being interviewed. Wait, and if if you don't contribute intellectually, do you have to pay up? Because I, 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 I'm a bit skint this month, guys. <laughs> I talk a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, Hayden, if you go on the $20 level, you can be not only the co-executive producer, but a producer. <laughs> so just think about all these all these possibilities that open up. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you, Hayden. Uh, again, thank you to all of our new and continuing supporters on Patreon. All of you will be getting your exclusive one-of-a-kind QLP book club bookmark if you haven't already. If you are a patron in Europe or Australia... I will now be shipping batches to Matt and uh, a few to Hayden so that they can mail them out. Uh, Matt's going to handle the people in the UK and the EU, and Hayden's going to handle everybody in Australia. Um, Don't worry if you haven't seen it yet. You'll get it. It's just going to take however long the mail takes. And I think for Australia, that might be a good long time. You guys are still quarantining packages and all that, right? Yes. Yeah. So don't fret. Don't despair. It will come your way. Eventually, we promise. So, and um, if you have gotten your bookmark, please send us a picture. Like, I want to see the bookmark in action, like, you know, holding a place in a book or, you know, like out on the town with you having a drink. <laughs> you could even put it in your Quantum Leap books. I found that out. No. <laughs> uh, I got a bookmark uh, not that long ago. Uh, Chris sent one my way and uh, put it uh, right in the novel. The first one looks so good. It's, it's just, oh, it's so sparkly. I love it. I, I love have it. my bookmark and, uh, in Foreknowledge. Mine's like on display with my display of foreknowledge. It's on my ego shelf and uh, <laughs> it looks really good next to my book. But uh, being that I have all of them, I'm going to take a second one for myself to use as a placeholder for the books as we read them for the show. So I get two. Embezzlement. <laughs> if I join at the $3 level, can I get another one? <laughs> 
Albie, you can have all the bookmarks you want. Awesome. So, so yeah, everybody, um, so, um, you can maybe spark some more support for the podcast if you show some pictures of the bookmarks in action, uh, post them on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Even though we don't post on there very often, doesn't mean you shouldn't. So on with the feedback, everyone. We have uh, quite a few replies to get through. And I wanted to start with a couple of voicemails because we had some really good uh, responses to voicemails. The first being from another QLP producer, Mr. Morgan Felden. Also, you might remember the creator of the Handlink Replica prop. Yay! Heck yeah, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. So He's been on the show, too. He co-hosted one episode with us, I believe. Was it, was it JFK? It might have been JFK. Yeah, Morgan's great. Yeah, Morgan is great. And he had um, some pretty cogent thoughts about the finale mirror image, which I'm going to play for you right now. When Quantum Leap burst onto the air, I watched every episode I could from the pilot on. I had a lot of favorite episodes. A Leap for Lisa, The Leap Home Two-Parter, and The Evil Leapers. And yes, I love them for all those techie, fun, mythology, sci-fi reasons that Matt did. And I was 17 years old when Mirror Image aired. I watched it live, and I watched that accursed title card, Dr. Sam Beckett, with one T, never returned home. My mouth hung open as if Donald Belisario had reached out of the television and slapped me across the face. In stunned silence, I pressed rewind on my VCR and watched the episode again, hoping that I'd missed some salient detail, some clue, some explanation for the ending we'd all seen. There's always been a lot of mystery and debate about what Al the bartender, aka God, time, fate, whatever, really meant in his cryptic responses to Sam's imploring questions. Like everyone, I was on the edge of my seat, watching the episode the first time, hoping that we'd finally get some answers. I want to clear up one point. Whenever I read other fan takes on Mirror Image, I'll inevitably see someone say that Sam continues to be lost or trapped in time. Mirror Image is pretty clear on this point. Sam is neither lost nor trapped in time. I also don't believe that Sam is dead or a ghost. I take the bartender at his word. You've done a lot of good, Sam Beckett. And you can do a lot more. I don't want to do more. I want to go home. Then why haven't you? Because I don't control my future. You do. Sam, you will only do this as long as you want to. Are you saying I can leap home anytime I want? Technically, yes. What's the catch? The catch is that you have to accept that you control your own destiny. Looking back at the first season of Quantum Leap, Sam had no agency. He had no control over his circumstances, and he felt completely powerless, grasping at straws to try to escape his predicament. Throughout seasons 3, 4, and 5, Sam became more and more confident, able to perform leaps with minimal or no involvement from Al. In Mirror Image, I believe that God, Time, Fate, the bartender, whatever you want to call him, was trying to get Sam to self-actualize. Once Sam does this, he will be able to leap anywhere, anytime, at will, and he will be able to quit and go home anytime he wants. He then proves this by leaping into Beth's living room and telling her that Al is alive and that he's coming home. At the end of Mirror Image, Sam has attained free will, and he has, according to those infuriating title cards, decided to leap until the end of his natural life without going home to see his wife, daughter, or ever seeing his best friend Al again, even though the bartender specifically suggests that sabbaticals and breaks are perfectly acceptable to him. And that's an important point. Because while the bartender may seem like a benevolent force, 
an aw shucks father figure who doles out life advice, I changed my opinion sharply of him after Mirror Image. I also got my answer for why Sam always Swiss cheesed on a leap, losing parts of his memory. It's not that Sam wouldn't be able to function if he remembered Donna, as we were told in the leap back. It's that he would never subject himself to the ravages and life-threatening challenges of time travel, fixing the lives of perfect strangers, if he could clearly remember his past and had complete control over his life. I believe that the bartender stripped these of Sam on his first leap and put him on the path of time travel, and then sat back and watched him from afar. I believe the bartender waited for five years until Sam had shown his unwavering commitment to quantum leaping before the bartender finally trusted him to give him back his free will and to give him back his memories. Sam remembers Beth and Al because now he remembers everything. I always assumed that following Mirror Image, Sam was no longer connected with the project and thus leaping on his own with no help. He is a fully realized time traveler with no friends and no ties to the present day. He turned his back on his wife, his friends, and his daughter. As you can imagine, this was an extremely lonely and painful prospect for me as a 17-year-old viewer. One way or another, the repercussions of Mirror Image meant that season six would have seen a dramatic change to the show's formula. Would Sam have met Al? Would Edward St. John be the observer? We didn't know. It would be 30 years before we would see that one-minute alternate deleted ending where Al and Beth are in the future, confirming that Sam and Al had always been together, always been friends, and still joined Project Quantum Leap, and that somewhere Al was still trying to figure out how to help Sam, even though Sam had leaped beyond the reach of the imaging chamber. I didn't attend any of the Quantum Leap conventions until 2009. I didn't subscribe to the Quantum Leap magazines. Unlike seemingly the entire Quantum Leap fandom, I had never heard Don Belisario's words said at a convention that Sam and Al were always fated to meet. This brings us to a bigger question. Do the creators of television shows owe the audience anything? They bring us into their world. They tell us stories. They introduce characters. They might even try to teach us something. But do they have a responsibility to the audience once that show ends? Don Belisario has made it clear that the Quantum Leap finale was a love letter, a tribute to his coal mining hometown of Cokeburg, Pennsylvania, and an homage to his father. Belisario said in an interview with the American Film Institute that he hoped that when he walked out onto that finished Al's Place bar set, as he would later do to film a brief cameo appearance, that he would be transported back in time and feel a rush of nostalgia. But those feelings didn't come. I guess you can't go back home again. Meanwhile, the audience of Quantum Leap were left with an enigmatic ending that, depending on your interpretation, is either delightfully open-ended, philosophically interesting, confusing and unfulfilling, or a downright cruelty. Whatever your takeaway, I firmly believe that with this ending, Quantum Leap foreclosed any opportunity to see a TV movie or continuation with the original cast to wrap up events or launch a new series. This year, Don gave an interview to Ars Technica, and said that season six would have opened up with a two-hour premiere to untangle the mess and get us back on track with the previous rhythm of the show. Alas, we'll never know how that would have played out. What Quantum Leap did do is launch a fandom that would see conventions, online communities, forums, Facebook groups, and podcasts, which continue to explore the impact this show had on our lives 30 years later. And with serious talks of a reboot with a new cast 
being shared by no less than Dr. Sam Beckett himself, Quantum Leap has a bright future yet. Thanks for letting me let 30 years of thoughts off my chest. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Morgan is a, a cogent and thorough. Yeah, you know what? This was a very nice, thoughtful, well-spoken um, bit of, I can't really say feedback, but mm. just a, a thoughts yeah. essay on, on what he felt. And I know he was super excited about it. He was messaging me about it, like, oh, I gotta, what do I cut out of this? Because it's just, Aww. he was so pumped about it. And yeah, just, yeah. um, great observations. Really great. Really well spoken. He raises a really good question. What does Don Belsario owe the audience as the creator, as the artist? Ultimately, it's his call as to what happens in this universe. And he took the road that he wanted to take. And you can interpret that as, as, as maybe selfish, as a nostalgia trip, that he ultimately was becoming like a leaper himself to build that bar to try to step back and get that rush of feeling like he was hoping for and it never happened. Was it just a failed experiment for him? It's funny, Allison, because you had mentioned on our show um, about the episode that this was basically like a therapy session for Don. Well, that wasn't my theory. That was what Donald Belisario said. Exactly. It's what, you had, it's you what had he brought said. It up. It's not faked <laughs> by me. This is what his he said exactly his thoughts were. And I'd heard that story before, too, that this was him sort of working out his own issues. And he thought that this would take him in one direction and it went in another because, you know, he learned something else from it because of it, which is, which is kind of interesting and takes us beyond just the story of Quantum Leap. It's nice to put it in a broader context. And to answer Morgan's question, I, I don't think that the creator owes the audience anything. He owes them or she owes them the product of their imagination to, I guess, their their greatest artistic fulfillment, what they see as the achievement that they're looking for with this art. And if the creator feels they've achieved that, then it's up to the consumer to take it or leave it. But I don't think that they owe you anything beyond that. And I'm glad that Don stuck to his guns and whatever the motivation that he had in putting this episode together. He didn't listen to fans because we would have just had sort of a road ending that we wouldn't be able to talk about the right. way we have for this last hour, these last couple of shows. It's art. It's legit. It's not hack. He did what he wanted to do. He stuck to his vision. So good thing peace, Morgan. Morgan wasn't the only one that left us a voicemail. Um, our other Patreon supporter, new Patreon supporter, Mike Thomas, who's been on the show a couple of times before, left this voicemail. Hello, Chris, Matt, and Allison. This is Mike Thomas calling again. I just wanted to give a call because I definitely had to be a part of the series finale feedback, considering, you know, Quantum Leap is one of my favorite shows ever. You know, a few thoughts about it when I was growing up. Uh, when it ended, I was devastated and one of the biggest things that devastated me about the show was that he never returned home. I, I always thought that that was just kind of a bummer. And I even have a, another reviewer who would review episodes of Smallville, and uh, they would say, you know, well, they're not going to end the show without him becoming Superman. That'd be like if they ended Quantum Leap without Sam going home. <laughs> it was to some people, it's like, how could he not have gone home? But, you know, I understand that they're saying, you know, he's still out there putting right what once was wrong and different things like that. Um, there, I think there are a lot of good things about the series finale. I mean, all the characters coming back and kind of having Sam feel like, you know, a distant family and friends that you haven't seen in a while and, and seeing them again, even though they're 
not saying who they really are, you know, and then especially I think the part that gets me the most is the end. The bartender telling Sam that he's touched so many people and those lives have touched other lives and Sam is crying and wanting to go home, but he knows he has to put a right that was wrong for Al. And it's just very, at the end, it gets very emotional. And I think that's uh, what makes a good series finale at the same time, you know, is something that makes you, you know, feel inside, you know, so to speak. So uh, those are just a few of my thoughts about the show. Um, as usual, you guys do a great job, and I look forward to hearing the series finale and much more. I will talk to you later, and everyone have a good day. Uh, I hope he has a great day, too. Have a good Aww. day, Mike. Thank you, <laughs> Mike. He's become our most frequent voicemailer now, so good on you, Mike. And yeah, I mean, that emotional gut punch and the empathy that you feel for Sam is another one of the hallmarks of this episode. And again, um, I, I think I mentioned this last time, but I, I feel like Leap Back was an emotional episode, but I sort of know the beats of it so well now that it doesn't really affect me. Mirror Image never fails to get me. I think that comes back to may, maybe Morgan's point and what we were just saying. It's because it's not hack. It's not pandering. It is what it is and you have to deal with it. And dealing with it can be thorny. It can be difficult and it, it can be emotional. So good way to point that out, Mike. And we have some uh, emails, lots of messages from uh, different people. I will start. We have uh, this message from our Patreon supporter, Miley Enos. Guys, we'll do this in the round robin fashion. It'll go Chris, Allison, Matt, Albie, and if there's a fifth paragraph, Hayden. Okay? And then back around to the top. So, Miley writes, I remember watching Mirror Image and enjoying the mystery. Then there were the words, Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. My heart was ripped out. Poor Sam. Poor Al. My theory back then was that once Sam got Beth and Al back together, he wouldn't have met Al. Sam would continue to leap for the rest of his life. I now have a new theory. In season five, we see Sam struggle with the limits of leaping, trying to save JFK and Marilyn Monroe. There seems to be a rule that leapers can't fix certain big events, but Bartender Al says that small events create ripples. Perhaps enough of these ripples can change the world, which requires Sam to keep leaping. Sam is in the bar to decide, does he go home or he continues to leap forever, working towards bigger changes? The bar is a test to help him figure that out. I don't think Bartender Al is God, but maybe a leaper who helps guide other leapers. And Stopper shows that to continue leaping, you have to let go of your ego and ties to your original life. This might be required for leapers to leap as themselves and leap outside their lifetimes. Would this give leapers immortality and make them like angels or ghosts? I wouldn't say Sam's dead, but I do think leaping has made him close to a ghost or spirit. Did Angelita go to the bar? How about the ghost from a portrait for Troyan? Maybe even the evil leapers. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> A last big question. Could Sam and Al reunite on a leap and become friends again? I like to think so. Aw, oh, Miley, that was a nice letter. And mm. this is an aspect of the finale that I never could get my mind around. We, we touched upon it briefly, but this whole thing of Sam being dead or a ghost or a spirit. And I think that this goes a long way towards supporting that point of view. If you want to have that point of view, and I guess maybe it's Albie, it's kind of like what you were saying, how Sam is now uh, some kind of transcendent being. I would agree with Miley wholeheartedly. The fact that it's not so much a death as it is being, you know, reborn as something new is a crucial distinction. 
because I never want to think of Sam as dead. I don't think he is dead, but this this puts him as some kind of like some kind of evolution, which is I think a neat take on it. So, thank you, Miley, for clearing that up at least for me. The angel, the ghost, and the Sam. Mm. Sam is his own little category of supernatural <laughs> being. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Trinity: the angel, the ghost, and the Sam. <laughs> All right. Um, we have another message from another Patreon supporter, Mrs. Ann Dumas. Um, Hayden, why don't you start on this one? What does mirror image mean to me? I was a college freshman in 1993. I didn't really get it then. It was like Belisario had a dream about the ending and started writing it from there. It plays like a dream. People aren't who they look like. Everything means something else. So weird. As a much older and hopefully wiser adult... I think I get it now, at least as much as anyone can interpret art. Sam is disillusioned here. He's never had to be the outsider. People's distrust and uncertainty about him is difficult, but the bartender has to ground him as much as that hurts and teach him that he was always in control and that he can choose. And Sam chooses to fix the last wrong he never set right, getting Alan Beth back together, a complete act of selflessness for his friend. Seeing that last panel shook me up like nothing I had ever watched on TV before. It was days before I could even think about anything else. Deep down, I thought Sam's last act somehow changed history so that PQL never existed. Only later did I hear Donald Belisario explain it. I can accept what he says. At the very least, QL set the stage for the WTF finales that <laughs> followed. <laughs> but this will always be the first, the best, and my favourite. Thank you for bringing my favourite show ever back to life with your podcasts. Hilariously funny all the time, too. O-M-G-W-T-F-B-B-Q. <laughs> G-T-F-W. L-M-A-O. <laughs> Lols. I do like that G-T-F-W is like has just become the shorthand like that probably yeah. came from the novels, just using that all the time, G-T-F-W. It's even funnier because it's just as long to say it that way as God time fate, whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're cooler because you're in the know. You know what that means. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I don't think that makes anyone cool. <laughs> <laughs> to make it cooler, we got to say GTF dub. Just GTF dub. That's it. GTF dub. GTF dubs. Dubs. You, you, know, you know what I love about the, uh, the Quantum Leap finale? This is universal about it. Anyone you talk to who who saw the finale is like, hmm, interesting. No. <laughs> Everyone you talk to. One time I ordered a pizza and I answered the door and I happened to be wearing a Quantum Leap shirt. And the guy's like, hmm, Quantum Leap. They better make a movie soon. <laughs> better finish that up. <laughs> That's not the ending. Definitely yeah. seems to be a universal reaction where it's taken all of us in the fandom to get an acquired taste for it and appreciate it. Yeah, I think it takes everyone like a, a bit to figure out how they feel about it, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I got to say also, and I mean, thank the man himself. He's here. Thank you, Albie. I want to join her in that sentiment for bringing our show back to life with your podcast. We wouldn't be here without you launching the QLP. And uh, yeah, we're here because of you. And um, the hilariously funny, that's all Allison. Uh, we'll all come <laughs> to that, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, you guys are great. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank so. you guys for uh, coming along on this ride with me and then taking the wheel when I needed you to. I appreciate it. Oh, are you kidding? I was I was just waiting. Like it was like the culmination of all my life's plans. The day you said, "Will you?" I went, "Squee!" 
He made you the happiest man on earth. (laughs) You're our very own bartender. Thank you, Albie. And Chris walked in through the door at the right time. That's right. I was reborn. I think Albie's got the next paragraph, doesn't he? Yes, he does. This is another message from our Patreon supporter, Katie Hogan. Now, Katie... You you even apologized. Guys, it took me 40 minutes to edit this one down. Katie had a lot to say. But I think I got the kernel of it. And Katie, um, please forgive me for cutting out uh, large swaths. We just had to keep this short for the podcast. So, Albie, would you like to uh, start with Katie's thoughts? Yes, this is uh, from Patreon supporter Katie Hogan. Thank you so much, Katie, for being a patron. The first time I saw Mirror Image, I was bewildered, heartbroken, and upset. Though I've grown to appreciate it more, it continues to emotionally gut me. Many find it comforting that Sam is still out there righting wrongs, but I find it cruel and depressing that after all the good he has done, Sam's reward is to be forever lost in time, doing increasingly harder leaps all alone without the familiar guidance and support of his best pal. Never again to go home. It feels more like purgatory than a choice. I could never buy bartender Al's assertion that Sam was in total control. GTF dubs screwed with Sam plenty of times on leaps. Do you want me to say that again? I like GTF dubs. It's good. I like dubs too, yeah. All right. GTF dubs screwed with Sam plenty of times on leaps. So I have a real hard time trusting anything he says. Sam never seems to come to terms with this idea. The finale needed to make it clearer that Sam never going home was entirely his decision. I completely disagree with the interpretation that by Sam choosing to right this wrong for Al, it will somehow alter Sam's future where the project and his home cease to be. Sam will always have a home to come back to. It just may be slightly different. Sam and Al could still meet each other at the vending machine, but instead of a drunken Al smashing it with a hammer, he just asks Sam for some spare change. I agree with Chris. Sam is about to go through a rebirth. I've often wondered, after this interaction with GTF dubs, whether he would transcend (laughs) beyond the physical plane and just become a soul leaper like Strappa. I don't really like the idea of Sam dying, but instead, maybe he's immortal now. Something to think about. Mirror Image is an intriguing, touching, and unforgettable finale. It had the potential to be a truly brilliant ending, but doesn't quite hit the mark because of the lack of conclusion with Alan Sam. Sam and Al having a final moment together to say goodbye where they fully establish it's Sam's choice to leap onward and that he'd be okay without Al would have made a world of difference. And I love Alison's idea that Al's place might be where Sam goes to in between leaps. Thanks for the discussion. I like this one. I like this because they're like, this is mean. I think there's something sinister behind this. Like it was a bad (laughs) ending, like dun, dun, dun. The bad guys got the one up on him. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. My friend Beck, who lives in Perth, she went to the Leap Back convention and <laughs> she she talked on uh, the panel asking Don Belisario a question and said, I have to tell you this, my daughters watched the finale with me for the very first time. They were in tears afterwards. The bartender lied! <laughs> <laughs> they said he could go home any time. <laughs> Everyone always makes up their own ending. They're like, nah, he came home. He went home. He went yeah. home eventually. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, I know what I saw on screen, but I know what happened. <laughs> For sure. It makes you feel better. I think Katie had good points, but I think uh, the whole idea of doing something good in hopes of a reward is probably a widely held like belief of that's how it's supposed to be. But I think doing good is its own reward, and I don't think he needs a reward. Mm. He does good just for the sake of doing good. He's not looking for a reward. Mm. 
Sure, he's not looking for a reward. I, I don't think, I think what Katie's getting at is she felt like he deserved it, not because he was doing it for the reward, because he didn't start leaping with the intention to do this at all. But uh, I think she just wanted him to get that reward in the end. And I guess it's up to people's interpretation rather whether or not he felt that it was a reward that he got to keep continuing leaping. Because if uh, if you go with the theory that he's controlling it, then that's what he wants to do. I would agree with her where she is saying that we needed uh, like a goodbye with Sam and Al. I think if uh, they had gotten sure. canceled and they had they they knew that for sure this was the final episode, we might have gotten that scene where Sam and Al embrace at the end uh, before he uh, takes his final leap that we see. I think that that's always been missing from the finale for me still. Yeah, I think the stuff with Al really was like, despite the ending being about him, I really felt it was odd his lack of presence Mm -hmm. in the episode wouldn't it have been great if it had ended with like back to when they first met and it was just al asks for some change and that's how you know like (laughs) things were different now (laughs) they still met but like he was like in a better place yeah wow yeah that would be sweet yeah that Mm -hmm. is great and thank you katie for uh coining my new favorite quantum leap term so leaper Yeah, baby. He's the guy with the leaping touch. <laughs> he leaped too much. <laughs> we turned it into Mr. Heathmiser. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Crazy, crazy stuff. But um, I think I'm turning around on the fact of Sam maybe being incorporeal at this point. Uh, you know? Do you like Ghost Sam? He's Casper now? Yeah, he's like <laughs> Soul Leaper like Strapa. Yeah, without being I, dead. He's just uh, ascended. That's all. He's ascended. Wow. I wonder if he's seeing a giant panda. Lower decks. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't talk about the panda. <laughs> well, thank you, Katie, once again. Uh, wonderful, wonderful feedback. And uh, we're going to get two new t-shirts. One that says Soul Leaper and one that says GTF dubs. So... <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, Katie didn't, just wrote GTFW. GTF dubs is infinitely more fun to say, though. Yeah. Well, GTF dubs is Al's rapper name when he sings the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our next message. This is from listener Carrie Sorensen. Albie, take it. Mirror image broke my heart. I desperately needed a happy ending. My dad had passed away suddenly the year before when I was just a freshman in high school, and so many TV shows during those years gave me an escape from a rough time. I badly needed to see Sam get his happily ever after, and it hurt so much to not see him leap home. I honestly don't think I watched the show again until this past winter when I caught up on them all. Mirror image still breaks my heart a little. After all his sacrifices for so many others, Sam deserved to come home. Thank you. Oh, Carrie. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry that you were going through such a time in your life when you saw this. It, it probably was just adding insult to injury, or, or so it seemed to you. And again, I hope that maybe thinking about it in a different way, listening to the podcast, listening to other fan theories about how Sam might be in a better place, in a different place, instead of somehow trapped or cut off from his happiness, maybe this will help you turn the episode around. But we appreciate you being so, so open and so honest with your feedback. Yeah. Feel glad that Sam is still out there to help you if you need it. I like that. Yeah. You know, we had that discussion about um, 
what do creators uh, owe to the fans? And uh, I agree with Chris, really nothing. But um, that doesn't mean that what they've created doesn't have a specific meaning to specific people. Mm. Obviously, this meant a lot to Carrie. It means a lot to us. And it meant an escape and a happiness for her. And that's why it was so hard, the ending, how that hit for her. It doesn't make it any less real to people. And um, I don't think it's uh, invalid for people who really were disappointed with the ending because, um, you know, it's not necessarily a happy one. It just depends on, on what it means to you. I can sympathize with her, and uh, I have a similar feeling when I watch this episode uh, specifically, because Bruce McGill has an uncanny resemblance to my own father. So mm-hmm. after my father passed away and I watched this episode, I almost feel my dad's presence, not in like a spooky way, but like in uh, what Bruce McGill is portraying almost as like a father figure. And uh, the whole, uh, it's funny, the picture at the end of uh, Don Belisario's dad I uh, mm-hmm. had that printed out and I framed it and I put it amongst a lot of other family photos and it just fits in there and it just looks like my dad and grandfather. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, I hope that, um, I hope Carrie that you found uh, some peace with it, you know, maybe over time um, and that your own heart has been able to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Again, thank you for sharing. Um, it's great to get all, all aspects of the reaction from the fan community. And we appreciate your thoughts. All right. Our next message comes from a listener named Scott Simmons. And Hayden, why don't you take the first part of this? Well, this person's definitely not within the Chris camp. All right. Because surely the setting of this episode is within the literal world. A real place in Cokesburg, Pennsylvania in 1953. Not just some liminal dream space where metaphors play out. If it's not, how do Alan Gushy find it? If this isn't the real world, is the entire drama played out with the miners a psychodrama for Sam's benefit? I find it hard to swallow that there are no real stakes for Taunchy and Pete, or for Storper. I don't see how you can have the whole thing take place outside the normal reality of the show without rendering the minor plot a bit of a sham, and that's certainly not the way the episode plays. It could be an alternative timeline or parallel universe. My reading of the episode is in line with Matt's. I've always thought Sam chose to fix Al's first marriage at the cost of his own history, leaving him a man without a past. Not literally dead, but metaphorically dead and reborn. This is where the Sam is dead readings go off the rails, I'd say, taking it literally. Incidentally, this helps with the Donna problem, too. I've always imagined the Sam who didn't get Project Quantum Leap off the ground living a happy, non-absent life with Donna. Who knows? Maybe that Sam and Donna have dinner with Al and Beth twice a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A last thought on Sam's agency. In this episode, he learns you can break the rules, but also that you have to live with the consequences of doing so. He makes his first conscious choice as a leaper, and it's a costly one, but one I don't doubt Sam would call the right choice. The mix of tragedy and hopefulness calling back to Man of La Mancha in Al the Bartender's reference to Don Quixote makes the finale one of my favourites likely my all-time favorite in television history. Wow, we got someone else that is sort of of the two Sam school. This is the Aldi interpretation. So I think if, if I'm interpreting what Scott's saying here, it's that Sam, I guess, 
altering Al's existence will also alter the original Sam's existence. So there still is a Sam on some kind of timeline living out his life who hadn't leaped or leaped in a different way, who could be with Donna, who could be fulfilling, you know, his obligations to his family and having the life that he wanted to, the life that he was working towards before he continued to leap forever. So Again, very interesting interpretation that I never really considered. I like this uh, gives Donna a happy ending. Hmm. That's one of those things that always really bugged me. I know I brought it up before, but the Donna thing smooths it out a little bit, I guess. Yeah, and um, just so you know, I mean, I had to edit a lot of these for content and time, but Scott isn't the only one that brought up the whole Donna being done dirty, as Allison likes to say it. So, <laughs> done or dirty. <laughs> So, so yeah, a really cool interpretation there too. You don't even have to have like uh, the two, like the mirror Sam and then the transcendent Sam. You can just have prime timeline Sam and non-changey Sam. I don't know. Anyway, it all works. It all comes together in the end. Next up is a message from our Patreon producer, Mr. Charles Allen Gossard. If you guys recall, Charles is the Civil War reenactor, and he gave us a lot of good information about how um, the reenactors are uh, put onto movie sets and bringing all their own stuff, and he's even made a mustard poultice, so... Sounds delicious. <laughs> I, I, it's weird. So I'll be, t- I'll be take this one because Charles's his message confuses me. <laughs> okay, Just, this one's from Charles. He's, he's, I had forgotten how good the final episode was. The fact that we got some closure and purpose for Sam's leaps. I think Sam found his way home in the end, despite what the last title card said. The fact that he would never see Donna, Sammy Joe, his mother, brother, and sister ever again is too painful to bear. I wish the alternate ending Allison found were the true ending. That ending is one of hope. Just give Sam a break and let him go home. Mirror image is amazing, if not for that last title card. Take care, Charles. So I'm confused here. Like, Charles loved Mirror Image, but he's like, yeah, nah, Sam went home. (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, it's universal. Everyone's like, this is great. He went home. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool story, bro. He went home. (laughs) The trauma of him not going home was so great to bear that we've all just excised it from our memory. Everyone is like um, that lady in uh, So Help Me God, where she just is just like, when he comes home from hunting. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's all of us. You didn't steal the money. We're like, "Mm, it's it's great. Remember when Sam went home? (laughs) It's it's just the Mandela effect taking over now. Or maybe Sam's even leapt back and he's changed the ending for all of our memories. And that's just the one that we live with now. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? I feel like you could enjoy uh, Mirror Image as a great episode and still hate the ending because I think a lot of people were just like blindsided by that last title card because it didn't really seem like it was specifically leading up to that. And it was, in fact, a last minute insert because they did have other choices for the ending in case it wasn't the last episode. So um, I don't think it's really that confusing. All right. I mean, Charles, he lives in the same space as everybody else is what you're saying, Allison. Yeah, no. Okay. It's great, but no. Uh, We have another response from another patron. His name is Thomas Ahern. I don't believe we've heard from Thomas before, but he's been a supporter for quite a while. Anyway, Hayden, why don't you take this message? I have always liked Mirror Image as an episode and a finale, and I enjoyed your discussion of it. I agree that continuing to help people is what Sam would do. But I doubt that changing Al's past would erase the project. I think A Leap for Lisa proves the project would exist without Al. 
So feel free to speculate as to what season six would be like with <laughs> Edward Sinjin the fifth as Sam's observer. Also, if Quantum Leap is ever revived, should they provide a definitive answer as to what was going on in Mirror Image or leave it open to interpretation? Oh, I don't think they would ever tell us. I don't think season six would. No, no way. I'd be happy having Roddy McDowell back for a whole season. That that works for me. I don't know. I don't think he would be Sam's observer unless like Al was leaping with him and like the ending there, unless like Al was just written out completely. I don't think that would ever be the intention. Well, we do know now that Al was always going to look out, look out for Sam and try and find him. So it's like in Doctor Who, they say there are some events which are just destined to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Sam and Al meeting is one of them. Some things are destined to happen, like you said, Hayden, and I knew that we were going to be destined to hear from my good friend John Irons. John's got kind of a wacky mind. And uh, he wrote me this thing on Facebook Messenger. I just have to read it. It's just his thoughts on the finale, and I wanted to save this wacky one for last. John asks, why a mining town? Could have literally been set anywhere. Probably overthinking this butt. You think, John? Just listen to this, guys. It's a mine, M-I-N-E, as in digging deeper. What it really means to be a leaper, and mine, M-I-N-E, as in belonging to me. Which means (laughs) Sam's newfound ownership and agency. (sighs) Also, minor, M-I-N-O-R, as in not quite graduated, as in junior level, referring to both Stam and Stoppa as they are about to graduate to the next level. Stoppa going up to Sam's level and Sam to whatever's next. Sam equals no longer minor, which means Sam is no longer M-I-N-O-R minor, so untethered and emancipated to leap under his own accord. Don't forget minor, M-I-N-O-R, because the music is always played in a minor key when it's something that's very sad towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> then you find the rock shaped like the witch's nose and the treasure <laughs> is located in the X under the palm tree. I feel we could have just read this out instead of the whole last two episodes. That, that's just <laughs> blown my mind so much. Ooh. It's overwritten anything any of us have said about it. I mean, just the wordplay alone. It should have been called Minor Image. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes a lot of sense what he's saying. You know what? I, I appreciate um, this is way deeper than uh, anyone was thinking about this episode, but I do appreciate it. Deep as the mine. <laughs> this is a great episode just because of how thought-provoking it is. Everybody needs to come up with an interpretation of it. So, And everyone does. Everyone finishes it and they're like, hmm, I have my own ending in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for some notes? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Donald Belisario. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you one and all for these wonderful bits of feedback. I know it might seem to a lot of people listening at home that we were picking just our patrons, but the patrons are the ones that responded in mass. Anyone who wasn't a patron also got their thoughts right on the show. So just so you know, there's not like nepotism going on here. I was able to pull thoughts from everybody that wanted to respond. And uh, I think we came up with a pretty comprehensive view, like a snapshot of a lot of the different types of thoughts that are that were going on. So um, thank you, one and all, and for especially solidifying a satisfying explanation as to Sam not being, quote, alive anymore. Not dead, but 
really not himself anymore. I, I really like that transcendent angle. I have to watch Mirror Image again now and look at it from that point of view. Hmm. Always, always interesting. Never bored. Never bored. So <laughs> thank you one and all for your thoughts. And uh, we had made a promise. God, it feels like years ago, doesn't it, Matt? It, it was a. It was months ago, <laughs> definitely. But this this year has been a strange one. So. Yeah, it has. It has a long, strange trip, just like Mirror Image. Mm-hmm. We have, if you listeners at home recall, four Scott Bakula Enterprise promo cards that show him as Captain Jonathan Archer in the Enterprise version of the spacesuit. It's him in that copper suit. And our new patron, Emily Hilditch, is the one that provided us with those cards. And we said that we were going to give them away randomly to anybody who contributed thoughts to this special. So here we are. It's finally time for the drawing. And uh, we're going to be giving some cards away. So Matthew Dale. Do you have the names in your, what is this, Wheel wheel of Names? Yes, wheelofnames.com, which I've used many times before. It's very exciting, but only if you add a sound effect over the top. So, Chris, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to make this sound brilliant. All right, Googling YouTube Wheel of Fortune, right? <laughs> it does sound like that. It's got the clicky Wheel of Fortune kind of thing going on. So, the names are loaded up. Shall I? Shall I draw the first name? Please draw the first name, sir. And we're, we're going to use this in future uh, instead of Alison choosing the... Um... <laughs> what do you say? Alison doesn't do a good job in Leaps Elsewhere? <laughs> well, after the werewolf of Washington, I'm not so sure. I anyway. tried to pick a better one after. <laughs> okay. So I'm clicking now and we are spinning. I, I'm seeing this. You guys can't hear anything, but this is so exciting for me. Theater of the mind. Okay, the first winner is Charles Gossard. All right, Charles Allen Gossard. You're going to have to play with wheelofnames.com and you can imagine what I'm seeing. There's like um, confetti flying all over the screen. It's very exciting. (laughs) Insert confetti sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, second one coming up. And the second winner is Thomas Ahern. All right, Tom. Yay! You get that sweet, sweet Scott Bakula Captain Archer card. Okay, I'm spinning a third time. And the third winner is Miley Enos. All right, Miley. Yay. Yay. Very nice. And last. Ooh, and everybody else is on the edge of their seat. Winner. It's a nail biter. It's a nail biter. It is. It's close. It's close. It's Katie Hogan. All right, Katie. Yay. Yay. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Congratulations, all of you. You guys are going to get some handsome Scott Bakula. Absolutely. Some nice collectibles to go next to your Quantum Leap book club bookmark. <laughs> I'm inordinately proud of that bookmark. Dude, they're awesome. <laughs> It'll be a great conversation piece, too. Like, people will be like, what's that? And then they'll see, like, a Quantum Leap podcast bookmark. And then they'll see um, the Enterprise postcards. And they'll be like, oh, what is this? And you'll have a great conversation. And you'll be wearing your uh, GTF Dubs t-shirt. And <laughs> <laughs> Get on that, Scott Madison. Thank you one and all for providing feedback for this feedback special. It was everything I was hoping it would be, and then some. If you out there listening would like to give us your thoughts on Mirror Image or the podcast in general, there are many ways that you can reach us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. Albie, will you say that? Will you please say it? There are many ways. 
that you can contact <laughs> us. We've missed that. I feel like I've come home. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can always go that extra mile like most everybody you heard on this show today and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And speaking of upcoming episodes, Matt, tell us what's next. Well, uh, the title of this is very original. You can tell they weren't sure whether there was going to be a range beyond this <laughs> because we're going to be reading Quantum Leap, the novel. Or carny knowledge, as it was uh, called in the UK. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I guess, I don't know, instead of a leap effect, maybe I'll just do like a book. Like... <laughs> very good. Very good. It just sounds like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for... <laughs> <laughs> so my, you're saying my Foley work leads a little bit to be desired? <laughs> should we, like a, like a tease, like we do on a leap in, should we read the back blurb? Ooh. Of... I like it. Let me go grab my novel. Hang on. Yeah, we can't do mashups like we used to, except for classic throwbacks. Yeah. I was also wondering, I know that you're going to do Genesis when you go back to some of the regular episodes, but I vote for double identity for the next one after that, because I really want to hear Chris rant about that one. <laughs> hey, yo. hey oh, oh, hey. Either that or a portrait for Troy. Why, why don't you just do all of them? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. <laughs> Fan favorite, thou shalt not. <laughs> Best dance scene in an episode ever. Here's what it says on the back of Quantum Leap, the novel. One small step for man, one quantum leap for mankind. Theorizing that a man could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap accelerator and vanished. Somehow, he was transported not only in time, but into someone else's life. And the Quantum Leap project took on a whole new dimension. Quantum Leap, the novel, an all-new adventure, first time in print. Is there is there not one that describes the plot of the book? <laughs> nope, that's it. I think we all got that, what happens in Quantum Leap. Well, obviously it takes place uh, on the moon and it's about the moon landing, right? <laughs> Don't usually the books have like maybe like a paragraph or opening like little teaser at the beginning? I feel like some of them do. I have the German and French ones in front of me here. And uh, if I could speak reasonably good German or French, I could tell you that, yeah, there's some... <laughs> You're right, Allison. On the title page, uh, right in the beginning, it says Carney Knowledge, which was the title in the U of the UK edition from Box Tree, if I'm not mistaken. I'm grabbing the book. Okay. In, yeah. The, in the first page on the book, there's a little uh, detail leading up to it. Okay. And it says Carney Knowledge. Trapped in the body of a 1950s carnival worker, Sam Beckett learns the true meaning of thrills and chills. According to Al, Sam's holographic contact with the future, a roller coaster will derail in four days. The accident will result in seven deaths. And Sam's chances of stopping it are one in a million. Quantum Leap, psh, the novel. Those Inception Bwongs in there. That's right. So this is a novel by Ashley McConnell, and um, it was the first in the Quantum Leap novel series. I can't wait to reread this. I remember – well, we'll talk about when we were first exposed to the novel series on the first novel show, I guess. But, wow, I have a lot to say. 
Yeah, I'm uh, two thirds of the way into the book already and uh, rereading it. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. I can't wait to read it again. You can always visit your local library, <laughs> which I, and I'm really hoping that my library has one because I don't have that book. I've never seen a Quantum Leap book in any library I've ever been in. So good luck with that. Oh, man. If you go to eBay, you could find lots of them. That's how I got my collection. Just saying. Well, listen, guys, it has been a distinct pleasure speaking to both of you for this episode of the podcast. Yeah. But before we finish off, we've skipped something very important. Are you going to say turd again? Are we going to turd in here? (laughs) No, no, this is definitely not a turd in the punch bowl. On our recent episode of the Starbright Project podcast, which I'm now co-hosting with Aaron and Michelle Moss, uh, we interviewed Deborah Pratt. It was for the episode The Colour of Truth. Fantastic interview, by the way. Definitely well worth listening. She stayed with us for about three hours. It was the best conversation I think we've ever had it. Wow. Hmm. Cool. Oh, it's crazy. One thing that we did do was I had Deborah go onto YouTube and watch the found missing ending of Quantum Leap and uh, had her tell us anything that she remembered from that time. Um, A couple of interesting things came up, some new information that we didn't already know. Wow. I asked her about the space bar scene and she says she's almost certain that it wasn't filmed because they ran out of money. Ah, Ah. (laughs) that'll happen. That makes sense. But she said almost certain, so there's still hope. <laughs> yeah, look, we're relying on Deborah's memory, and she said if she remembers anything else specifically, she'll tell us. But from memory, she's almost certain that it wasn't filmed. But also, one other thing that did come up, this rabbit hole just keeps getting deeper and deeper, like the Kochberg mine that Sam leaps into, because she seems to recall they filmed multiple endings. So there may even be more endings out there that we haven't even discovered. And she says it was to prevent the real ending being leaked. It was like the ending of Friends. That's interesting. I I seem to recall a Scott Bakula interview around the time that the lost ending was uh, presented where he he said he remembered them filming multiple endings. Hmm, I wonder if those will ever surface. And I always thought like I was like, oh, maybe he was just misremembering. But yeah, that's interesting. They did actually do several of them. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you, Hayden, for the scoop. I mean, again, mirror image just keeps on giving. Yeah, keeps on giving. Yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Thank you for that breaking news, Hayden. And thank you, Albie, for coming back on. Uh, I'm making another announcement. This is maybe not as uh, earth shattering as Hayden's announcement, but it will be earth shattering to Albie. To kick off our $10 oh boy uh, level uh, interviews on the Patreon site, I am going to be interviewing Mr. Albert Mark Burge about his Quantum Leap fandom, about um, his starting this Quantum Leap podcast. And, um, basically just discussing in general all of his favorite things about quantum leap and what it means to him so albie keep your equipment out of the mothballs for at least another week for me okay i'm so excited where do i send the ten (laughs) dollars i'll send you ten (laughs) dollars all right everyone um i think it's about time for us to punch out thank you one and all for making this uh an amazing event and until next time i have been christopher d philippus i've been allison pregler And I've been Matt Dale. And I'm Albie. And I'm Hayden MC Queenie. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris. 
with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap Podcast, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap Podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Let me let me know what I'm doing going in. It's been a while. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just follow my lead. Okay, sounds good. Uh, can I hold okay. on to your waist? <laughs> Behind every great man is another great man. Exactly. <laughs> Stopa uh, was a leaper too. Is a leaper, but he's on a higher level. And I think uh, uh, it's hard to say for me. Stupa, Stopa, 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 like Opa. <laughs> That's got to be around where we list when does Sam canonically poop on leaps because I know we brought that up in the diaper monkey thing. And also, how do, how does Sam piss while he's in the body of a woman? Honestly, well, you know, women do. Women pee. don't pee. I can confirm from experience. Yeah. I mean, would he stand up? What would it look like if someone walked in on him? What you've never peed sitting down, Hayden? I sit down. It's it's comfortable. I'm seeing a Mrs. Doubtfire scene coming up there. Yeah. If you if you get into if he's going to stand up or whatever, then you go into if it's the body or the mind, then don't get Chris and me going on that one. <laughs> no. Right, come on. We only have another hour or so left here. You guys Stop didn't on. like how I was choosing, choosing leaps elsewhere? You guys want to type all of the projects uh, they've uh, ever been in into Wheel of Names? Like, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can copy-paste it in. So it was, uh, it was just theater of the mind. <laughs> If you guys want to do it, go for it. <laughs> that's all. That's it was all an on, absolute pleasure getting to talk with all of you. You guys, uh, I would have never met you had I not started this crazy thing, and I'm so glad I did because I love each and every one of you for realsies. Oh, gotcha. love you too. I'll be. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm still stuck on the idea of a goat drinking Pepsi.